think it's appropriate that we're opening things up, beginning to open things up um, on Pentecost Sunday with um, at least some, some are able to get out of the cars. And, and we actually love this environment for, um, for as long as the Lord would have us do this. So those of you who prefer being in your cars, we're going to keep doing this. Um, and uh, we're going to open this up every Sunday morning at 8.30 until people decide they don't want to do this anymore, okay? Um, and then at 10.45, we're going to be inside, and, uh, and those who prefer air conditioning uh, will, will probably make that choice. Um, I'm just grateful we can be together, and the best way is just uh, finding a way so us, for us to do this. It almost feels like starting church all over again. It's, it's kind of like pioneering a, a work, right? We're getting started all over. We're kind of learning how to, how to manage things. And thank you for your patience and all of that. And I do want to greet those are, that are watching on, uh, online uh, with us. And uh, that has uh, kind of grown over the last few months. And so I'm just grateful that you're with us today. And we are going to talk about... Um, what God did and what God is doing. And Pentecost Sunday is a great uh, launch for that in discovering what God has done. We are, um, as a nation, with just, things are just happening all over so fast. And many of you, as you know, this week, um, with, um, with the death of George Floyd, there's, there was all kinds of... Um, well, at first, one, um, one of the commentators, one of the uh, African-American commentaries said, for the first time, I felt like we were all on the same page. It was like the whole nation, for a very short period of time, said, that can't happen. And then it switched in such a short time. Things kind of just divided and separated and, and with, with you know the riots and all of that. And it was, and my thought was, Listen, we'll never get this together without God. It, it will never happen. We've been trying for, for centuries. It, it's not going to happen, people. And the, the answer is only, it's only going to happen when the hearts of people are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you say, can that ever happen? Absolutely it can. Absolutely. And Pentecost is a, is a, a day in which we can see how this could happen. It, it really can happen because, because Pentecost happened. Now, I, I want to take us back 2,000 years, and then I'm going to take us back 3,500 years, okay? We're going to go in a time capsule back, and, uh, and we're going to see some things that happen. And we're going to look, first of all, in, uh, in the book of Acts, in chapter 1 and verse 8, and uh, it says this, as Jesus had resurrected he was getting ready to leave to ascend to be with the father he had been with the disciples for 40 days <clears throat> and he told them but you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in jerusalem in all judea samaria and to the end of the earth and then he told them he says i want you to wait you're going to wait here in jerusalem until you're endued with power. So you're, th this, is, this, is, uh, this waiting time 
And the question is, why were they to wait? Well, we know that they had some, they did some church business in that waiting time. They, they were kind of deciding who was going to replace uh, Judas. And they also did some prayer time. They had some time in prayer and, and I'm sure some worship. And they were, they were, and they were together. The, the scripture says they all were in one accord, which meant that their hearts and minds were gathered upon a particular focus. And that happens, we know, that the best way that that happens is prayer. That when we're united in prayer, we cannot be more united than when we are praying and focusing on one thing uh, uh, together and worshiping, when we're worshiping God. So the scripture says in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the, the whole house where they were si si sitting, and then there appeared to them dividing tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, it, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, we think, in fact, we hear the word Pentecost, and we think of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because it happened on that day. But the people of that day would have thought of Pentecost differently. Because before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for 1,500 years, the day of Pentecost was celebrated. Now, the word Pentecost actually is the Greek for 50. But um, it is also called Sabahot, which, is the, which also means 50. And the, the, it's also referred to as the celebration or the Feast of Weeks. And that's because there's seven weeks within the 50, and then the 50th day is, in fact, um, the day of Pentecost. There's a lot of names for this particular celebration or particular feast. And it goes all the way back until the time of Moses when the children of Israel had left Egypt and, be, and, and the Passover had happened. And 50 days after um, that, that period, when they, when they left Egypt, 50 days after, they, they were at the Mount Sinai and Moses brought the ta tablets down with the Ten Commandments, the covenant of God, and he brought that covenant down the mountain on the, on the day of Pentecost, on the, the day of Sabahot. So this was um, a, a celebration that was a continued celebration that God had told them that they were to celebrate. It was referred to confusingly as, uh, as first fruits of the harvest. And I say confusingly, because for those of you who know that we've, we've talked about this quite a few times, that the feasts that God gave were in fact to be precursors of the reality that Jesus was to fulfill. And so, the, so when they came to Passover and sacrificed the lamb, it was a, it was a picture of, in fact, the sacrifice that Jesus would make because he actually died on Passover. And then they buried, um, they, the, the next day after Passover, um, at the, when, when Jesus 
that it was a, it was a day of uh, unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And they would take the unleavened bread and they would wrap it and bury it, uh, or the leaven, and they would take it out and they would bury it and burn it and so forth. Wh whatever um, happened at the feast was then fulfilled by Jesus as he was buried and in the grave during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then there was a Feast of first fruits, And this is why I said it, it makes it a little confusing. I want to just say this. The Feast of first fruits was the day in which Jesus rose from the dead. He, he rose from the dead on first fruits. So it was Passover, unleavened bread, and then first fruits. Well, what was first fruits? Well, first fruits was, at that point, they would bring in the first of the harvest of the barley harvest. And they would take that barley harvest and they would wave it and they would celebrate and they would sac sacrifice. They would give the first of their barley harvest. So they would, they would, you know, they would harvest and they would bring it and give it to the Lord. And that was the Feast of first fruits. That's the day Jesus rose from the dead. Well, from the Feast of first fruits, you count 50 days. That's when it starts counting. First fruits is the first Sunday after Passover. So Jesus rose on first fruit, the first Sunday, that first Easter Sunday. Fifty days later, now it's Sunday again. And what are they doing? Well, they're, 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 they're in fact uh, celebrating another um, first fruits. And that is they bring in the harvest of wheat. So the first time it was a harvest of barley. Now it's at... Pentecost is the harvest of wheat. Now, I'm, I'm telling you all this. For those of you who are interested in Bible prophecy, I'm going to give you a little picture here, and then we'll move on, all right? God uh, gave the children of Israel three, there were three harvest times, and they celebrated those three harvest times. It so happens that each one of those three harvest times, it was required that the men of the camp came and, and to Jerusalem on those harvest days. So they came at the time of Passover um, as the, for the barley harvest. They would bring that. They came at the time of the, 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 the harvest of the wheat harvest. That was Pentecost. Those, that was part of the first four um, feasts of Israel. They had spring feasts and then they had fall feasts. The spring feasts, those first four, Pentecost was the end of the spring feasts. Now there is this break. Jesus ascended, right? He fulfilled the first four. I kind of think he might fulfill the last three, right? The last three. There's this break of time between the spring and the fall now the fall feast they as they pick up you have the you have the um the feast of trumpets which sounds a lot like i'm not saying it has to be sounds a lot like the trump will sound the dead in christ will rise first it just sounds like that <clears throat> there's a feast of trumpets there is then there's the feast of atonement for the nations the bible says that when jesus comes back he is going to judge the nations, right? The sheep and the goat. And then there is the feast 
of tabernacles, which is the final feast. Guess what harvest that is? It's the feast of grapes. So, Jesus, what happened on the first harvest, the, the barley harvest? There was a resurrection. Wasn't there? When Jesus, Jesus rose, he rose from the, the grave. But what happened at that first, uh, that first resurrection? He was the first fruits, the barley harvest. And then what did he do? He, the Bible says in Ephesians, he took, he took captivity captive, and then he gave gifts unto men. Ephesians, what, what captivity, what was the captivity they took captive? It was all those who were in paradise waiting for the resurrection of Messiah. All those who had died looking forward to the Messiah, who were God's people, they didn't go to heaven when they died. Their souls went to a, 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 a compartment of called paradise. It doesn't sound like it was a bad place, but it wasn't heaven. We know that from the story of Elijah, of, uh, um, of, the, of the rich man and Lazarus, right? So here's the, um, so you have the first time there was a harvest that Jesus fulfilled, and there was a resurrection of everyone who had died prior to Christ. Then you had, then you had the second harvest, which is the wheat harvest, and what was that? Well, that was the beginning of the harvest of wheat. It, from that point on, when they gathered together to bring in the, the first fruit of their harvest, no one was to eat wheat. You can't make bread and have your toast in the morning until you bring the first sacrifices made at the temple for the, 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 um, the celebration of of Pentecost. And so they would bring their first gathering. So they would get, gather their harvest and bring it as a tithe unto the Lord. That's what they did. That was their tithe. Then from then on, every, every time there was uh, more harvest, that they gathered it unto themselves and left a little bit on the outskirts for people who were the, who the, who were the poor. And uh, you have that story in Ruth about that. So Jesus, Jesus the, first, the first time, resurrection. Second time, a harvest of souls who are now ongoingly headed to heaven, right? When someone dies in Christ, if they're part of the harvest, they go straight to heaven. Second, the second harvest is an ongoing harvest. Since the day of Pentecost, there's been a harvest going on of souls, people getting saved, people being transferred, people getting the whole, you know, receiving the Holy Spirit and being sent to heaven when they pass on. And that has been going on. This is a season of harvest because from the, the spring feast until the fall feast, there's this harvest time. Now, this harvest time has been 2,000 years and it's been going on. Then the Bible tells us, and very clearly, and those of you who like studying like the book of Revelation and all this, you've probably come across Revelation chapter 14. And Revelation chapter 14 talks about the harvest of the grapes. It's a grape harvest. And, and, it, and it, let me just read it to you real quick. Um, it, Revelation 14, 14 says, Then I looked and behold a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand 
a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the, on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in the sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now, who is doing it? The Son of Man, Jesus, with, you know, who has a, a golden crown. So Jesus is reaping the earth. And the reaping is you have good grapes and you have bad grapes. And so the next portion there talks about the harvesting of the bad grapes. But they all happen at this particular time. And by the way, this is the end of the tribulation period when you see it in its context. What is that? Well, that's the final harvest. That harvest is celebrated, by the way, at the at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is the time that you celebrate the Feast of, uh, of, of the Grape Harvest. Okay? You figure out how that works out. I'm, I'm not predicting anything about the coming of the Lord. But it would be interesting if he ended up fulfilling all seven of the feasts by chance. <coughs> so, Let's take a look at this day, Pentecost. What happened on this day? And why did, why did God choose Pentecost to pour out his spirit? Why Pentecost? He could have chosen any time. Why didn't he just pour out his spirit while he was ascending? Why didn't they all just start speaking in tongues while he was ascending? Why did they have to wait? Well, there was a particular plan. God never does anything by accident. Everything is ordered of the Lord. He knows exactly why he's doing what he's doing. And when he poured out his spirit on Pentecost, he did it because there would be a connection for everyone who had, who had you know, every day of their life, those, those Jewish people uh, looked to the, the celebrations of their feast. And every year they celebrated this one over and over again. And this one was a reminder. It was a reminder that on the day that Moses came down and gave the law, the first covenant was given to them. The covenant of a wedding. The covenant of a blessing. That if they obeyed the covenant of the Lord, they would be his people and he would be their God. They, they celebrated on that day. And that day they called the latter first fruits as they would express um, you know, their, their heart and their, their thankfulness of what God had given them. And they would, they would celebrate that. But they also would anticipate. Because, see, the first Pentecost was the giving of the first covenant. But they were looking for, someday, a, a, a new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 31 and 32 he said, uh, Jeremiah had prophesied, and the children of Israel are looking forward to this. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. So it's not that covenant. He's saying, I have a new one for you. My covenant, which, which they broke, Though I was husband to them, says the Lord. He says, I married them and they broke the covenant. But now I have a new covenant. 
that others will be able to, to walk into. And they're looking for the new covenant. What would be a good day to give the new covenant? Don't you think it might be the same day, but 1,500 years later than the day that he gave the first covenant? God is so smart. He so knows what he's doing, right? He so knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing in your life too. Your days are ordered of the Lord. You understand? You know, we think, you know, something happens accidentally. God is in charge of our life. Even the devil, when he does stuff, he has limitations that he cannot do because God has restricted him. God has order, is ordering our life, folks, and we can trust him. We can put our faith in him. We know that he has good intentions for us. But understand this. The new covenant, the old covenant, was a covenant of husbands. He, he says, I became a husband to you, but you rejected my law. In the new covenant, it is, a, it is, a, uh, it is also, by the way, the uh, Hebrews, uh, Jews, as they celebrate Pentecost, they also celebrate it as a wedding feast. Because this, this covenant, let, let, let's put it this way. In, in, uh, in, in the old way of, um, of weddings, as a, as a bride would be waiting for her groom, oftentimes, if, if, if there was an extended time of waiting, that the, the groom would send a gift to the bride. It would be a special gift so that she knew he still is coming and that she would be comforted by the gift that he sent her while she's waiting for him to arrive for the wedding. I think a gift was given on Pentecost. A gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that it is a gift that is given, that is a gift that is an earnest of our inheritance. It's the, it's the, it's the first fruit of our inheritance. It's a gift. The Holy Spirit is the gift of our inheritance. And a sealed, a sealing, right, of our wedding to our groom, who is the Lord himself. <clears throat> so, people... <clears throat> As the Holy Spirit came on that day, Peter stood up and, pre and, 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 and preached because the people were confounded as they were speaking in tongues and people were hearing them in their own, uh, their own native languages as they had come from all over to Jerusalem to celebrate. And as that was happening, Peter says, people said, these guys, these people are drunk. Something about what they were doing were looking like they were actually probably pretty happy, you know? What are, they, what are they doing at 9 o'clock in the morning? They just seem like they're, they're, they're happy, but they're talking gibberish. Are they drunk? And Peter said, no, they're not drunk. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And not only have they been filled with the Holy Spirit, but this is a promise that has been given to you, to, to you and to your children and to all that is far, far off. And Peter quotes Joel. He, 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 he quote, quotes the prophet Joel that says, that there would be an outpouring of the Spirit of God and your sons and daughters will prophesy and young, young men will, um, will uh, have visions, old, old men will dream dreams. And on your servants and handmaidens, he says, I'll pour my spirit. And he says, there would be a former rain and a latter rain. Say former rain. Say latter rain. Okay, 
on the day of Pentecost came the former rain. The outpouring of the Spirit of God happened. Peter says, this is what Joel was talking about. That there would be this outpouring of the Spirit. And from that day, the church has had the potential, if it so chooses, to receive the fullness of God's Spirit and to walk with the, the gift that God has given them as a earnest, um, you know, looking forward to the day that the Messiah will come back and, and be, you know, be our husband and, and we'll be joined with him. But we have this gift that's been given to us by God, the Holy Spirit. And that was the former reign. But Joel didn't stop there. He said, by the, the Holy Spirit gave him, there's not only going to be a former reign, there's going to be a latter reign. And the latter reign would usher in, in fact, the time of the Messiah. The time uh, of the, the husband coming back. There will be an outpouring again of the Holy Spirit. So when we read what happened on the day of Pentecost, and we look at what happened, there was a harvest. On that day, there were 3,000 people who got saved on that day. And then a few days later, Peter preaches again, 4,000 get saved. And then a little bit later, the Bible says there were thousands and thousands who got saved. So what we're seeing is this, what? The harvest is coming in. The, the, the day of Pentecost was the beginning, the first fruit of the harvest. But now the harvest is coming in, and more and more and more is coming in as God is getting ready. But we're not done yet. God's not done yet. See, sometimes we put too much focus when we talk about the coming of the Lord on the Antichrist and all that he's going to do and, and all of that, that that goes on in the end times. But you know the Antichrist, his, his um, rule, his, uh, when he really takes rulership, he, he has some authority, but he doesn't actually get the kind of rulership that, that, he, that he then attacks and does all the things that we, we see about the Antichrist that kind of gives us, you know, heartburn. But we, 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 we watch the Antichrist, uh, what he's doing. He only does it for three and a half years. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not that long. He, 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 he only does that for three and a half years. And we put so much emphasis on it. Like it's like this whole thing, like it's the whole world. It isn't. It's only a, for three and a half years. And it's only confined to a 10-nation day today, for today. He has access to all the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. He is, he is looked up to as one of the greatest theologians of the day in the Jewish world. He is a, he is a, um, he's not a Christian. But he's been spending all of his time in writing books with the believer, who at first he said, um, I'll, I'll study with you, because they, they both were into the languages and studying uh, ancient manuscripts and all that kind of stuff. He said, I'll study with you, but I won't study the New Testament. I'll only study the Old Testament with you. And he says, and only if you agree not to try to convert me. And the guy says, okay, we'll do it. So they've been studying for years, and then finally he, he, this uh, Christian gets a call from him and says, and they've been writing books together, and he says, I want to break one of my rules. What's that? I want to start studying the New Testament in Hebrew. Okay. You want to break the other rule and, like, get saved? 
the way he talks, he says, I'm not a Christian, but the way he talks couldn't be more like a Christian than any Christian I've heard. I don't know if he's secretly waiting, but I know this. God is doing a work among the Jews and among the leaders. And I'm telling you, there is going to be a revival in Israel. There is going to be a revival in Israel. <laughs> and if Israel gets saved, watch out rest of the world. Right? God is doing a great thing, people. And the, uh, God's spirit is coming. And it starts with us. We, we are the people that must bring in the harvest. I am... I, I'm, I'm going to go through the rest of my sermon really, really fast. I know some of you out in the heat, and I, want, I, I appreciate that. But let me, let me just um, do this. Let me just say this. I'm going uh, to give you a few things that people who are spirit-filled have. And this is a gift that God has given to all of us. If we so desire, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You simply need to ask the Father to fill you. Before I come up, every time, every time I come up, before I ever come to speak, the first thing I ask is I say, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me. Because he made this promise. If you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he'll give it to you. He'll give the Holy Spirit to you. He'll fill you. You see, Jesus said it's better that I go because if I don't go, you can't have the Holy Spirit. You get, you get the fullness. He's talking about the immersion, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, only because Jesus left. And so now, that is, the Holy Spirit is available to us. He is the third person of the triune Godhead, and he is willing to fill you overflowing. And you can do it simply by faith. Say, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to receive. I want to live full of your Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, if you'll do that every day, if you invite the Holy Spirit to fill you fresh, you say, well, didn't he fill me when I got saved? You, you, when, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came in you. But it's kind of like getting the water poured in and the water poured overflowing. It's kind of like pouring the water in the cup and then taking the cup and immersing the entire thing. That's what being immersed or filled with the Holy Spirit is all about. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, Jesus said, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, you have a passion for his presence. You have a passion. You can't wait to get into the presence of the Lord and to experience the presence of the Lord. I was really busy yesterday, had a lot of things going on. I was just tired and worn out. I came, I sat in my, my chair. It's my chair. I tell my grandchildren, that's my chair. I'm in my chair. I've got my feet up. I'm just worn out. And all of a sudden, Carol over here, she starts playing on her iPhone music, worship music. Right? And I, I don't, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear anything. I just want to just close my eyes. I, don't want, I want silence. But I could hear that music in the background. And all of a sudden, my hand starts... And in a couple minutes, I'm, oh, I'm enjoying the presence of the Lord as we're worshiping. Because why? Because when, you're, when you have the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have a passion for his presence. You want to be in his presence. Pentecost is about God filling us with his presence. That's what that is. See? We strive to be led by 
filled with, submitted to, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And once you've experienced that, you can become addicted to the Holy Spirit. It's the greatest addiction. Give up all your other addictions and just get addicted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you get, let that be your addiction. That will, that will satisfy your soul. It's the answer to depression and discouragement and hope loss and shame and forgiveness. He is that gift to us. The passion for purity is, is also what happens. Because he is the, say it with me, the Holy Spirit. He's not just the Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit. That describes. He is holy. And he makes us holy. And when we're filled with him, he transforms us to become more holy. And then, see, every spirit-immersed person gets that total sense of, a, of unworthiness and uncleanness. Not that, that we feel... Uh, you know, it's not an issue of being compared to others. It's an issue of being compared to him, you see. And you feel that unworthiness, and the Holy Spirit then starts working and transforming you. Not to cause you shame, not to push you away, but to pull you toward. The passion is a passion for his glory. And the scripture tells us when the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth comes, Jesus said, he'll guide you into truth. Well, he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. And then it says this, he will glorify me. You see, you can tell when a person is filled with the spirit, they glorify God. They glorify Christ. They don't glorify themselves. People who are always trying to glorify themselves tell you how great they are. Kind of pull everything in, every, every focus on them, on their greatness. I'm talking about preachers sometimes, you know. I'm talking about preachers who's got, you know, their names in light, you know, in big lights, and then there's a little Jesus underneath. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the big sign. Jesus is the one that we glorify. It's a passion for the harvest, and that's the final one. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have a passion for lost souls. You have a passion for lost souls. You, you cannot go through life not concerned about people who are, you know, are dying and on their way to hell and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't. You can't. That's why the first thing that happened after they were filled with the Holy Spirit is 3,000 people got saved. That's because that's what happens, you see. They, listen, a non-spirit-filled person, when they were, were confronted and says, you guys are drunk, a non-spirit-filled person would, would, would just spend their time arguing with the person why they're not drunk and why they're the problem, and they would have a political or, or argument, they would have a... They, they would have a, you know, they, they would have a, a, an argument to try to win an argument. But a spirit-filled person sees the soul of an individual who is accusing them and loves their soul and wants to see them come to Christ. That's what a spirit-filled person does. We love the harvest. The harvest is the most important thing. 
because we're in the season of harvest. Pentecost has come. We're harvesting the wheat, folks. And we're going to do this until Jesus comes. And when he comes, hey, the good grapes, he's going to gather them. Amen? Amen? Well, the Bible says, as Peter was finishing his, his sermon, he said, this promise is unto you and to your children and to all who are far off. Are you a far off? Yeah, you're far off. You're one of the far off ones. So it's to you too. It's to you too. Father, we thank you. Lord, today we gather. And the one thing that unifies us is your Holy Spirit. Our world so needs that unity. It so needs what only you can give. On a day when people were gathered that spoke their words, they, many of them, their, their, their first language, their, their Hebrew was really poor, but they, they, they had a language that they could communicate, but only to those people who spoke the same language. But Lord, on that day, everybody could hear, and everyone could speak, everyone could receive, Lord, with clarity, because Lord, your spirit can bring unity in any situation. Our nation needs what we have. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we won't hide it under a bushel, but we will get receive, Lord, more and more of you. I pray that every person that's hearing these words of mine that I'm sharing, Lord, that are just really words that we want to just receive from you, that a day will not go by, that we won't spend time and say to you and ask of you, Lord, fill me today. I ask you, Father, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit. If I've grieved you, I ask you to forgive me. Help me to walk in union with you. Help me to fellowship with you, O oh God. Lord, help me to bring the one and only thing that can truly transform this world. Lord, I pray. If you're out there and you're watching either here or, or online and you have not received Jesus, I invite you. The Savior has come. He died for you. He died on that first Passover and he rose again on that first first fruit. And today... His resurrection has made a way for you to also receive life and resurrection. And if you accept Jesus into your life, his spirit will come in you and forgive you of your sins and help you to follow him. You'll be one of his chosen. So I want to invite you just to say, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I acknowledge my sin before you that I, I can't do this on my own. I need your cleansing, and I need your help, and I need you to be my Savior, so I accept you into my life. I surrender my life to you. Help me to follow you from this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen. And for those of you online, if you, and even here, if you, um, if you did that, you can go to our website, ccanaheim.com, and 
and you can email us. We'll send you information to help you in your walk with God to get started. Are you ready, church, to receive the blessing? Yeah, from the Lord. Let's worship together. Well, we're going to respond to that word this morning, the rain in the presence of God. We're just going to sing this together. It's very simple, but just crying out to God for his presence to rain down upon That's your heart's cry. One more time. Sing it out. Your grace. 
Lord, we need your presence. We need more of you, God. Fill this land with the reign of your spirit, we pray. Can you agree with that this morning, church? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you as you go. Be blessed. Walk in the power of his presence. God bless. of hell.